people were like, oh my God, <laughs> can I see your closet? Oh my God, your dad's Ralph Lauren, can I touch you? And I was like, what? <laughs> this is so weird. You know, a lot of other people just know me and they, they know my family and they know we're pretty normal people. Welcome everybody to In Conversation with Shopify Plus. I'm your host, Jason Buckland, and thank you for being here for our interview series where we speak with the very best and brightest in business. Our guest today is not precisely a Kennedy or a Rockefeller, but may well belong to another kind of American royalty. Dylan Lauren is the daughter of the fashion designer Ralph Lauren, though you would be unwise to classify her as a mere legacy kid. She is an incredibly prominent entrepreneur in her own right, Duke educated and the brains and muscle behind Dylan's Candy Bar, the candy empire about to celebrate its 20th anniversary in business. Stick around with us for the next little while because Dylan is going to tell us how the heck you go about serving one of her top sellers, bulk candy, in a time like this, the way she thinks as cities change over the years, about maybe even moving the location of her retail stores to center them closest to the most foot traffic possible. And yes, we will talk about her father, the inspiration that the polo brand had on Dylan's Candy Bar and also the role Ralph Lauren himself had early in Dylan's career to push her to make no timid entry into the marketplace. He understood that it was Disneyland. In fact, when I when I took the first flagship, he's like, go bigger. Don't do a little small mom and pop candy store, like make it big. And I took 15,000 square feet, which is big risk, especially in New York City. But he really understood that right from the start, whereas a lot of other business people, I would say, did not understand the concept and didn't get it. All right, let's bring her in now. She is the founder and CEO of what has been called the world's largest candy store. And if that label were not enough, she has also been nicknamed the, quote, candy queen by none other than Oprah Winfrey herself. She is Dylan Lauren from Dylan's Candy Bar, joining us today from her home in Bedford, New York. Dylan, great to have you here. Thank you for being with us on In Conversation with Shopify Plus. Thanks for inviting me. Dylan, 2020 changed a lot of things for a lot of retail companies, whether that was an in-store experience completely disrupted or it was online business either totally supercharged because of store closures or totally hampered because of things like supply chains going down in flames. What were the unique challenges to the candy business as you experienced them in 2020? Well, it was definitely unique in that, you know, we have both retail stores and e-commerce and um, we had to temporarily close some locations in certain states and then other states we had them open. So, you know, we have stores in Hawaii, we have stores in California, New York City. And so just kind of dealing with the different regulations of the different states and then just realizing that the consumer was getting nervous to shop in a public forum. And so we quickly had to adjust our mentality. So we took every precaution we had to, which, you know, wasn't inexpensive and wasn't time consuming above just running the business. But it was the most important thing to do. So adding, you know, things like glass to close off the area so that certain people don't, you know, touch or breathe on certain things. We did a huge thing, which was putting all our bulk candy, which is one of our biggest draws, into prepackaged bulk. We also had to limit the amount of people coming in our stores. And, you know, our stores attract thousands of people, of tourists. There's a lot of different, you know, different things in each, each area. Even our airport locations, you know, they are, some of them are still closed because they're all considered malls in the airport. So, you know, it's different, different strokes. <laughs> 
your stores, Dylan, for those who haven't seen these things, your stores are designed to be fairly special places. You know, if they are not precisely a Wonka factory come to life, they're about as close as you can get with huge, colorful candy art displays or these big sweeping rows of bulk candy bins stretching floor to ceiling. Indeed, your stores are said to have done for candy what, say, an FAO Schwartz did for toys. So COVID-19 and all that it has wrought, it hasn't been easy on any store that used to welcome loads of shoppers at once. But your stores, as we touched on, your stores especially are meant to be so interactive, most obviously with serving yourself and scooping and picking your own candy. Do you think any of the changes you've had to make to your in-store operations might be here to stay for good? I think some of the changes are actually good in that um, we're definitely much more conscientious about ensuring that everything is a thousand percent sanitized and clean. And and granted, we always were. We just really extra, 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 extra cautious. Um, We are a food environment after all. The bulk candy, which is I was saying a big portion of our business, this pre-bagged concept is, is actually taking off quite successfully. I think that we've been creative in terms of like the sort of golden ticket type opportunity to come in and have a special tour of the store. So we, we are definitely continuing to do that. We're just trying to find new ways to do things. But it is definitely sad to me because I have always been by nature real passionate about retail attainment. And the idea of like Dylan's Candy Bar is really for the kid and the adult really to come in and droves of your friends and family and celebrate. And now it's like people are very, you know, nervous. They want to get in and out, you know, so we provided, you know, quicker service. People also are going online a lot now. Some good positivity has come out of it. I mean, I'm certainly seeing a lot of new customers going online. And I'm also seeing a lot of customers who I didn't even know the brand resonated with them being like, are you open? Are you open? You know, the store makes me so happy. Make sure you're open. And so it's kind of interesting to see who we've touched from both angles. So Dylan's Candy Bar is up to more than 20 locations, and they stretch now all over the U.S., into Canada, even as far as Kuwait. Your stores, Dylan, are very prominent in the cities in which they live. And I wanted to ask you about this idea of the flagship store, or at least the strategy of putting up retail shops in very desirable, very high-rent locations. Dylan's Candy Bar has, I'm sure, paid handsomely for its flagship store on 3rd Ave in New York City. But you've also once had stores on Chicago's Magnificent Mile, and your locations in Miami and Los Angeles are in these great high-traffic neighborhoods too. So there are two competing issues at play here with the flagship store that I wanted to get your take on. We've seen some brands, even in the last short while, Tommy Hilfiger and Gap, just on Madison Avenue in New York City alone, have had to abandon their flagship stores because the cost to operate them are too high. But then you also know that there may be no better way to break into a new city or new geography than by hanging your banner alongside the best brands in the best parts of town. So what advice would you give other companies that are weighing these economic considerations about their most high-profile retail spots? Do, Do all stores need to be significant drivers of profit in your view? Or is it okay if you sacrifice a bit of profitability if it's good for the overall picture of how people see your brand? We opened in 2001. We're approaching our 20th anniversary. And so much has changed in every city we're in and the whole landscape of social media and shopping online like didn't exist, you know, when when I started the company. So regardless of COVID, um, you know, we've seen such a change in the customers, where they live, especially in cities like New York. When we 
opened, we wanted to be in Midtown, right by Bloomingdale's and all these movie theaters, by Barney's, by Serendipity, which is an iconic restaurant. Now people don't even go to the movies. <laughs> you know, like there's, you know, this, before COVID, people have better TVs at home. Barney's is no longer. Museums, a lot of them have opened down in downtown, like Soho, then the Meatpacking District. So the shopping patterns are so different. I think with, with all the changes in the landscape, you know, we want to evolve with the customer. I just think that rolling with the punches is important. I mean, I think with our 20th anniversary, we're, we're definitely looking into new locations. You know, our, our flagship in New York City, we may one day think that it's better to put it, you know, somewhere else. You know, my whole neighborhood is changed in every location. So I just want to be in the best area um, at the right time and provide more than just eating candy and shopping experience. It, to me, it's about making people happy and feeling creative and feeling good and and I do believe we attract people. Some of them may actually not even buy something for themselves, but they feel good. And I do think the psychographics of the customer is really important. Your first store you mentioned opened in 2001. When did you begin selling online? I would say maybe three years after that. And to be honest, I, I still have my BlackBerry. I'm like the last person to become computer savvy. I mean, to me, I built my stores with these concept of, of retailtainment because I love shopping in stores like, you know, F.E.O. Schwartz or Disneyland or Nike Town or Ralph Lauren, where you feel like you're, you know, shopping in an environment. The music is themed and there's videos themed and the merchandise is fun. And, and it makes it more like a, a place you want to go to escape. The online thing to me, I still remain a little bit hesitant about because I, you can't smell candy, right? It'd be great one day if it's all 4D. <laughs> you can't taste candy online. We're trying to now like think of creative ways to explain to the customer the history of candies, why people love them. I do think a flagship presence, at least for my brand, is, is what I love because I've designed, like literally sat there with candy canes and picked the colors and the Pantones and the lollipop tree. I mean, literally sat with thousands of different lollipops from around the world that I want customers to feel like a kid in a candy store or under. You know, if I can get that experience online too, great. Um, but I think for our brand, we have to have both. Taking a quick break from our chat with Dylan Lauren to bring you a preview of our next episode in the series, our interview with Danny Reese. He is the man who took over his small family outerwear business at just 27 years old and now serves as president, CEO, and chairman of the board of Canada Goose, which in less than 20 years, Danny has now on the precipice of passing $1 billion in annual revenue. Someone once said to me, a great way to look at your business is fire yourself and then rehire yourself five minutes later and then look at the business again as if you're just starting from scratch. In that, see what could be done differently. That was Danny Reese, the president and CEO of Canada Goose, who is next up in our series. Before we get back to Dylan Lauren, this show is brought to you by Shopify Plus, the enterprise platform that powers the very best brands in the market from Allbirds and Gymshark to Staples and Heinz. And if you like this podcast, if you like what you're hearing, please visit Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Reviews are the number one way to support a show like this and make sure it gets in front of as many people as it can. So please take a moment to let us know what you think. And in fact, there's one thing I want to know from each of you. Who else do you think we should talk to for this series? Who do you want to hear from? Include that in your review and let us know your nomination for who our next guest should be on Apple Podcasts. Now, without further ado, let's get back to Dylan Lauren. 
A little pivot here, Dylan, because I wanted to ask you about your leadership style in business. And I've got a bit of a deep cut for you here. I dug up an old interview by your one-time creative director, a woman named Mayumi Ando. She said something about how involved you like to be in the company, or at least how involved you were then. And she's being positive here and flattering, I should mention. But she said that you were, and I quote here now, available via BlackBerry 24-7. And also that, quote, nothing goes without her final approval. Dylan, are you still as hands-on with a close eye on most things as you were? Or can you share with us how you've settled on the right mix for you of doing versus delegating as CEO over the years? For me, my name is on the door, Dylan's Candy Bar. I want to represent myself well. I am my customer. I love candy. I love fashion. I love colors. I love art, all of which is in Dylan's Candy Bar. We sell products not just to eat. It's a candy lifestyle brand. So I own a lot of the candy t-shirts and the candy spa products that we sell. I feel like I'm very involved and very passionate. And I'd say that I bring that to the team of people who I've hired who also love candy. My involvement is really listening to people, but, you know, using my gut, working with my staff. But yes, in the end of the day, I am very hands-on. In fact, I'm sifting through, I would say, uh, (laughs) this is by a a thousand-page document of candy from around the world that my team and I have worked on collecting from trade shows and online. But in the end, I'm the one picking these things to build the future products. I'm literally the one saying, oh, you know, I like this gummy fish from Sweden better than this one from Germany because I like the colors of it. I want the customer to get the same excitement I get from our gift baskets and all of our products. And so... I don't want to let them down. I'm really passionate. Yes, I've definitely delegated um, on some of the sides of the business that are not my strengths. I would say, you know, I'm more of a creative type. I'm passionate about colors and Pantones and candy and the buying side of it uh, and the marketing side and the charity side of our foundation. But when it comes to real estate, I definitely go with my gut and where I'm choosing locations. And I think I just need people who understand the real real estate deals to advise me. And even on the financial side, I have a great team of advisors and I have a CFO. And that's what I'm relying on because I'm not looking at spreadsheets on numbers all day. I'm looking at spreadsheets of candy and every shade of turquoise, you know. But I have a gut feeling of what's going to sell. And so I don't rely on just the numbers. And that's why I'm very passionate about being involved. So you've expertly prefaced a question I wanted to get to, and we can dig into it a little bit more now if you're willing. You know, you went and put your name right out there on the front of your business, as you said. The name Dylan is right there in the title of your candy company. Can you describe what the unique pressures are like when you tie yourself so personally to the fortunes of your brand like that? When I called my store Dylan's Candy Bar, I knew that it was a unique name at the time for a girl. And it was a cool name, sort of synonymous with art, you know, Bob Dylan, Dylan Thomas. So I liked having that name on the door. Also, I always felt like there's something nice to know an owner's name, like you see like John's Pizza, you know, it's there's something homey about that. And, And for candy and confections and ice cream, I felt that was important. To me, it's very personal. And I think because I am my customer and, you know, a lot of people, like I, I opened the company you know, pretty young and people my age and my target demographic, they, they kind of related to me. And now, I, I mean, I see such a broad age group who just like loves candy. And because we have healthy candy and then we have chocolate or we have gift baskets, it's so many different types of consumers that I, I sort of feel like they know me, even if they don't, because they're like, oh, you know, that's still a no. She, you know, they see me in the store, they'll see me doing an interview and they know I'm behind. The product is not just some random company. 
Dylan, we've reached the part of the interview where I try to do the impossible, and that is to ask you questions about your father that you haven't been asked before. Are you ready to see if I can pull this off? Okay. So your father, of course, is the fashion designer, Ralph Lauren. There's a chance our listeners may, in fact, have heard of him. When was the first time you realized, at least in the way the rest of the world saw him, that your dad was not like other dads? To me, you know, he's always been my dad, and, you know, he's very down to earth. And I think the difference probably where I did feel a little different was going to school and having sometimes like uh, security around me. Back in the 80s, I think there was like threats of kidnapping with like people, especially in New York City. Or I I would go to a certain camp, I was really into tennis or volleyball, and people like, oh my God, can I see your closet? Oh my God, your dad's Ralph Lauren, can I touch you? And I was like, what? (laughs) This is so weird. And it was a different place than, you know, I was used to because I I feel like a lot of other people just know me and they they know my family and they know we're pretty normal people. But also just, you know, it's, it's great to have been able to learn so much from him. When we talk about business, we have a very similar artistic passion for what we do. We love colors. <laughs> We're very upset if a style doesn't come out the way we envision it. I think my inspiration was definitely Willy Wonka and Disney movies. And my dad took a lot of inspiration from classic movies. I think I learned that through him, like how to create a lifestyle brand, even just with candy, as he did with a tie. And I, and it's because I think we both are the customer, but we wanted to create a world that other people can enjoy as much as we do. I think there is a satisfaction when people who are also his consumers go into my store and they understand it and they like it and they appreciate it's an upscale candy store that is fashionable and hip too. So it's definitely has its pros on, on that level for sure. Who is the most impressive person you've encountered that you met through your father? My mother. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's my answer. Great answer. There's this great story you've told that your dad wanted to name a fragrance after you when you were a teenager, but you told him no, that in fact you needed to save the trademark for when you opened your own business one day. Right, right, right. So you obviously had the foresight, you knew what was coming. What do you think your father wanted for you in your professional life? My dad is a big fan of me doing candy because he understands it's not just candy. It's, first of all, something I love, but it's it's art, it's fashion, it's pop culture. I mean, when I was designing Dylan's candy bar, I was looking at all these movies tear, with tear sheets for inspiration. He understood that it was Disneyland. Um, in fact, when I took the first flagship, you know, he's like, go, go bigger. You know, take, d- don't do a little small mom and pop candy store, like make it big. And I, and I took 15,000 square feet, which is big risk, especially in New York City. But he really understood that right from the start, whereas a lot of other business people, I would say, did not understand my concept. And, and also my, my dad's not even a candy consumer 100%. Like he likes his chocolate and his Twizzlers and whatever. But he, he understood the colors that I was attracted to of gumballs and Swedish fish and gummy bears. And, and he understood the artists and the pop art we showcase in our stores, whereas most people were like, oh, candy something you eat. It's for little kids. It's whatever, whatever. How are you going to pay for space? And I was like, no, no, this, this is like a lifestyle, which I hope people think it is. Okay. The last one kind of loosely tied to your dad is a question about his business. When I think of Ralph Lauren and the polo name, that is kind of a masterclass in brand building in the sense that you can close your eyes and picture perfectly what the brand is, what it looks like, what it feels like, even almost what it smells like, to be quite frank. That is a long, drawn-out way to say that your father's company has achieved this nearly total brand association in popular culture. And Dylan's Candy Bar certainly has been inspired by that. 
Your brand stands for, as you've said, the sweet life. It stands for a colorful, cheerful appreciation of candy. And there is no mistaking all of that from the moment you interact with your company at almost any touch point. Now, to get there, I'm just going to guess, Dylan, is no easy feat to pull off. For anyone listening that's from a company struggling to truly nail down publicly what its brand is about, what advice might you give for how to best communicate this to their customers? Thank you. I I feel um, flattered and I think my dad would as well. I think what I've learned from my father is not to chase trends. It's like running in a race, which is the way I see it. If you're running and the competitor next to you, you look over at them, you're going to trip. So like keep looking forward at your goal ahead. And my goal was to create a candy store that appealed to people like me who love candy, but wanted it in a clean setting, in a fun setting, in a happy environment that was hip. And so I stuck very true to who I felt the customer I wanted was and and who they were. I also think it's important to develop lines of product that really bring in different customers. You may think that the Ralph Lauren customer is just this equestrian, you know, high-end person who lives in Connecticut, but they're all over the world. It hits different generations, and so you have to be capable to grow up with the customer. I know people who are 70 who love their gummy bears, and then I have young kids who like really want organic dark chocolate sea salt. <laughs> Understanding the consumer in these different markets and not stereotyping anyone, but trying to tell a story around products you're creating to capture that customer. And I think my dad's done a great job of that through advertisement, through stores, through video, to really paint a story and develop a line of products and an environment to sell them in. He's very involved, even in wholesale accounts, to make sure the stores feel like the brand and the stores he creates. So I think it's telling more of a story. I mean, we have like our nostalgia section, and that appeals to like a Gen X, and it also appeals to the baby boomers. And then we'll have a section of sort of millennial favorites, which is more of like 80s and 90s neon candy Wonka stuff. We have a color your world section, which is going to be online, a big thing, because that appeals to like party planners and fashionistas. We have so many different customers, but I try to learn from them and I also am them. I try to stay true to why I started what I did and why I love candy and why I want the world to enjoy it. Dylan, one of my last things for you today is something of a reflection of your company. We teased it a little bit earlier, but 2021 marks 20 years in business for Dylan's Candy Bar. A two-parter here. What is the thing you are most proud that the company has done so far? And what drives you that there is still left to achieve? Oh, wow. (laughs) You have some great questions. Um, Well, I'm proud that the company is like a family. We've had employees since I started who grew up as kids working in the store are still there. Or people have been with my company for 15 years, 17 years. Um, Even people who I I don't, you know, work with today, we're still close with. So I'm proud that it's become more of a, not just like a business, like any business. We maintain our small business vibe, which I think is important. There's so many things I want to do with candy um, to design hotels, trucks, (laughs) you name it. Like, I think there could be so many interesting things. But, you know, again, the world is different. We're trying to figure out what's going to happen with retail. I may move some of my flagships and I open mini candy bars in resort towns. We have to really be realistic about where the foot traffic patterns are. I'm proud that I took the risk and opened my flagship in New York City. And I'm also proud that it really has made people happy. And I've seen it a lot during this pandemic. I saw it when we opened right around September 11th. 
for 20 years. Like there's people who literally, I remember they, they come up to me and they're like, I was in your store when you first opened. And now, you know, I have a daughter and I had her birthday party in your store. And it's affecting families and people in a, in a, in a way that I feel fulfilled. And that's why like Disney or my dad inspire me. It's like, it's more than just a brand. You know, it evokes something that makes a difference in people's lives. And I think feeling and, and obviously tasting and being happy with the product is really important. So I hope to continue doing that. But, you know, right now, it's just trying to figure out online is a huge component that I'm diving deeper into. I mean, I just came off a full week shoot when you said being hands-on. I was literally buying the props. <laughs> so I think online is going to be a huge future for business. Hey, I'm Kristen LaFrance, host of Shopify's Resilient Retail Podcast. Look, 2020 was tough for everyone, but retail store owners have been hit extra hard. Because of the pandemic, quarantines, and limited foot traffic, it's never been harder to be a small business owner, which is why we made Resilient Retail. From real stories of struggle and breakthrough to the insights retail businesses need right now, Resilient Retail is a show about finding inspiration, taking action, and making your business future-proof. To hear more about how brands like Pattern, Mack Weldon, Lively, Universal Standard, and so many other businesses are staying resilient, overcoming challenges, and building thriving businesses, be sure to tune in to Resilient Retail on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before I cut you loose, Dylan, we have a short lightning round for you on the way out. Does that sound okay to you? <laughs> okay. First up, you can choose to define this however you like, but what would you say is the most popular candy that Dylan's Candy Bar sells? I think the Dylan's Candy Bar branded private label products would be our number one because people want a piece of the store, a piece of the environment. And we package things in a fun and pretty way. And then next up would be bulk candy, which we're now pre-packaging and gummy and sour are really big. It changes every week. And that's the fun because we have so many holidays to celebrate with candy. So we're always changing it too. You're a lover of candy, but also of all types of food, uh, especially those that come in colorful and artful packaging, which, which you've shown that you have a certain affection for. Not necessarily limited to candy, but who is your favorite food mascot? Well, I collect rabbits. I have about 3,000 rabbit things. Our mascot is Chocolate the Bunny and Vanilla the Bunny after my childhood rabbits. So that's my favorite. <laughs> but I'd say after that would be any companies that use rabbits as a mascot. Nesquik would be a big one. The Energizer Bunny, even though it's not food. <laughs> Tricks, even the Cadbury Cream Egg Bunny. That's really my favorite. But I, I do, I really like them all. What I like is the collection. So I have walls of, of literally all the characters and the vintage version of them and as they've changed. So a company like Hershey's that has like the Twizzler character and the Hershey Kiss character and all walking together like a character parade. You know, then you have the Jelly Belly character, which is great, that brought the Haribo Bear. I mean, there's so many great candy characters that I think are fun. So I don't, I don't know, it changes. <laughs> Three more quick ones here for you. Now the criteria for this next one is something that comes from anywhere outside the US. What is your favorite international candy you sell at Dylan's Candy Bar? I'm a big fan of Australian licorice. It is so addictive, unfortunately. <laughs> That's a big one. I also, I love like nougat and white marshmallow from all different countries in Europe. 
The other thing I love are lollipops, and especially French brands, they make beautiful hand-done lollipops, and they're just amazing. I just like looking at them. Some of them, I don't know what they taste like yet, but, but they're just aesthetically a great gift, and so we're, we're working with those companies, too. We touched on this a bit earlier. Your stores attract a lot of prominent people, from Jennifer Lopez to the Obamas to Taylor Swift. Who was the celebrity that visited a Dylan's candy bar that made you say, okay, now we've made it? I don't know. I, I think I, I feel flattered when people like an Al Pacino comes in. Someone who I know is like a classic of my parents' generation and my generation who's not someone you would think is like a candy lover, you know, or Oprah Winfrey who comes in with Gail King and, and loves the nostalgia. We've been lucky that we've attracted all different people from presidents to athletes to my favorite Janet Jackson. It's just cool. I mean, when I was in, we have a store at Albany in the Bahamas and we had some of the tennis athletes there. Different people come in with their families. Madonna did her hard candy album launch and I was like, she used candy as a theme and we hosted it and closed the store. I think it's cool that like people feel like they can just be themselves in my store. Someone like Justin Bieber signs a minivan, can leave and feel uninterrupted and they're, they're all cool. Last one, of the four big candy times of the calendar, and tell me if you disagree, but I score these as Valentine's Day, Easter, Halloween, and the Christmas winter holiday season. Which is the biggest sales period of them all for Dylan's Candy Bar? It's definitely fourth quarter, which is, first of all, well, Halloween and Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah. We actually celebrate holidays that are become holidays, like camp. Camp is a huge, huge holiday for us. It's like our sixth biggest holiday. Summer, people wanting to entertain their kids if they're not going to camp, people visiting day, bus rides. We do a lot of like stationery and, and arts and crafts that are candy themed and, and we sell that stuff too, besides just stuff you can eat. So that's another big one. I want to thank our guest today. Dylan Lauren is the founder and CEO of Dylan's Candy Bar. She has been very kind to join us and be with us. Dylan, it was great to have you. Thank you for being here on In Conversation with Shopify Plus. Thank you. All right. Thanks again to Dylan Lauren and thank you again for listening. If you like what you heard today, more big name guests are on their way that you're not going to want to miss. Coming up, we've got Danny Reese, the president and CEO of Canada Goose as well as Tim Brown, the co-founder and co-CEO of Allbirds. So subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And to find more of our interviews with guests like Ben Francis, the founder of Gymshark, Nura Sakija, the co-founder and CEO of Majuri, and Dave Gilboa, the co-founder and co-CEO of Warby Parker, visit us online at inconversation.shopifyplus.com. <laughs>